1: Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Today, two episodes of Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Enjoy.
0: is Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, private detective.
2: Is this the Diamond Detective Agency? Yeah. Down, up, round, and down. Mr. Diamond, I presume? Yes, and maybe no. Down, up, round, and round. Yeah, I I don't understand you. Uh, yes, I'm Diamond, and you're not presuming on me, not if you're a client. Oh, no, that's not what I mean. What is that object you're playing with? Uh, this? This is a yo-yo. You make it go down, up, round, and down. See? Uh, yes, yes. But, but I came in on business, Mr. Diamond. I want to hire you. Just drop it like this. Down, up, as a detective. Oh. Well, a hundred a day in expenses, and i throw in the yo-yo lessons free. Give me the Mr. Diamond. Are you in a business? Do you have the hundred a day? I do. I am. That's fine. Your name? Oh, I, I can't tell you that. Goodbye. <whistles> Will you kindly put that thing away? I have a terrible head. Oh, I don't know. It's not so bad. Carve it yourself. Why, you insufferable... Now, wait a minute. Until we've had a formal introduction, the word insufferable is your ticket for a new set of dentures. Now, why don't we get formal and save your gums that lonely feeling? I told you my name is not important. That I believe. but well, let's kick it around anyway. Is that necessary? Look, look, you said you wanted to hire me. So either tell me your name or what you wanted me to do, or let me get back to my practicing. Uh, I should find another detective, but you came highly recommended, so... All right. Uh, you can call me, uh, Johns. Other wife? What? Forget it. The initials on your briefcase read J.B. Oh, oh, that, it, it's one I borrowed. So, now that I've conquered your coyness, what's the Pitch? Pitch? Oh, oh! you mean my assignment. Oh, it's very simple. But first, I-, I must insist that no word of this conversation leaves your office. So far, no one would believe it anyhow. But my ethics are in good order, Mr. Johns. Good, good. This must be kept very secret. Shall I pull down the blinds and stuff the keyhole? Oh, that shan't be necessary, thank you. Your secret is... Uh, murder, Mr. Diamond. Oh, I just knew you were going to say that. Where's the corpse? Uh, the corpse? Oh, that's what I came to you for. I want to have professional advice on every angle before I kill. Now, you've had police experience, Uh, I... unless my hearing aid's on the blink, you're saying you want to commit a murder. Oh, not want. I'm going to, this evening. Oh. What do you want me for, the victim? Oh, I have the victim, the opportunity, method... Uh, and the man to handle the uh, details. However, I want to be sure that I'm not tripped up by my lack of foresight to police procedures. Uh, sure, 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 yeah. Uh, Whom are you calling? The police, but you'll probably get sent to Belgium. Mr. Diamond, your ethics. Ethics about concealing or helping a murder are free passage to sing Sing. The phone, put it down quickly. Oh, my. Isn't that shiny, a real gun? Those things are illegal, you know. Must you shake it so much? Uh, oh, sorry, I, I'm a little nervous. Oh, so, well, you're nervous. Hey, quiet, quiet, I'm thinking. This visit has obviously been an error, but perhaps not a fatal one. Let's see. I have it. Into the closet. What? With my bicycle? It'll be too crowded. Your bicycle? Or oh, my exercise bicycle. That's my, there's my rowing board. And oh, my, my be weight. quiet, stop walking. Oh, this is ridiculous. Now open that door. Oh, okay. Uh, now that bicycle, it has a seat? Well, yes. Sit on it. So the Diamond Detective Agency sat in the stuffy closet... listening to the sound of the desk being pulled over and jammed against the door. Not having anything better to do except call myself names, I rode. On my fifth lap around the world, I gave birth to a brainchild... and began applying the art of leverage against the blockaded door... using both legs and the flat of my back. Result a Charlie horse. On the third lap following, I came up with something more substantial. A heavy barbell. Four smashes and three torn ligaments later, the thin door collapsed over the desk blocking it. I picked my way over the debris, trying to focus my eyes to the light. By instinct, more than sight, I found the phone but as I reached to pick it up, I suddenly realized I was shaking hands with someone.
3: Back up, Diamond.
2: Oh, this is getting ridiculous. All my clients waving guns at me.
3: I'm no client, Diamond. Mr. Johns wants I you keep your company for a while.
2: Oh, well, you're a small one.
3: This gun makes me a big one, Diamond. Real big. That's why my nickname is Big Man, even though I'm only four feet tall.
2: Well, maybe I could help you. I've got a lot of exercise things. Be funny or shut up. How about a few yo-yo lessons?
3: <laughs> Say, it's very funny.
2: Shut up. Big man, what would happen if I took that gun away from you?
3: You want to try?
2: I was giving it a thought, but on second thought, uh,
3: no. Yeah, smart shamus. I can empty this magazine in your stomach before you make two steps. Hey. Rick,
1: I... Oh, I didn't know you had a client.
3: Take it easy, Diamond. I got a gun in my pocket. Uh, uh Helen, Helen, baby, come in. Uh, uh,
2: meet big man McCarthy and old old Powell from PS69. Big man, this is, uh, Miss
3: Asher. Oh,
1: yes, delighted, Mr. McCarthy.
3: Eh, hey, same here, chick. Say, pal, you got good taste. Some built. Oh, such a flatterer. Rick, what happened to your closet?
2: Uh, the termites broke my non-aggression pact. Uh, what's on your mind, baby?
1: Well, I came to see if you were ready for the benefit tonight. You are, aren't you? Oh,
2: well, am I? Just watch this new yo-yo trick. They call it round the world. <whistles>
1: Oh, wonderful. Oh, Rick, you know so many
3: things. Where'd you learn that? A P.S. 69, of course. Where else, Mr. McCarthy? Do it
1: again, Rick. I want to see how you do it.
3: Sure,
2: baby, just watch. You take it in your hand like this and throw it out like this.
1: Oh, Rick. Rick, you struck that poor little man.
2: No. Well, that poor little man had a big nasty gun in his pocket and it was pointed right at my breakfast.
1: Why, that horrible... Why didn't you hit him harder? He might have hurt you. Oh, darling, are you sure you're all right? I'm sure, baby. Well, you send for the police. He should be behind... Now,
2: look, Helen, this is my department. You'll go along with your errands.
1: Rick, right? he's dangerous. Helen,
2: will you go away? I have a few questions I want to ask this little hood, and you'll be of no help, believe me.
1: Well, all right, but you be careful. Oh, and uh, about tonight, it's not at my apartment, but the park is penthouse up above in the same building. Now, come early and help Francis and me get things ready. Stop pushing. I'll see you tonight, baby. Oh, Rick, are you sure I can't stay?
2: Go, scat. Now, for you, Mr. Big Man. Come here. Wake up. Wake up. The mule train went that way. Come on, come out of it.
3: Ah, uh, That's uh, uh, you,
2: huh? Yeah, me. Now, what's the real name of your boss? Who's he gonna kill?
3: You can't stop the questions, Diamond. I'm not gonna talk.
2: You want me to wring it out of you like a wet wash? Who is Mr. Johns?
3: You know, there's a big advantage in being little, Diamond. Yeah, you
2: can hide under smaller rocks.
3: (laughs) Who's your boss? There's another advantage, too. A man my size can be awfully hard to catch.
4: What? Hey, come back here!
2: <laughs> he never looked so good. Shut up, Otis. He's really been worked over. Wonder what gang did this to him. Rick, Rick, snap out of it. Oh, oh. Rick, what happened? Oh, it just came through the door. Oh. What? Coming through the door couldn't wreck you like that. Oh, without opening it? You mean. Oh, no. You got that shiner by running into the door? <laughs> Shut up, Otis. Okay, Rick, where's the body? Uh, beside you. That's Otis. I mean, where's the corpse? Uh, the corpse isn't a corpse yet. Otis, get my bicarbonate. E. Yallerton. Go on, Rick. The corpse isn't a corpse. Tell me, what is it? A ghost? Exactly. Otis? E. Mm. <laughs> now, Rick, do me a favor. Please tell me what you're talking about. Oh, no, you aren't trying, Walt. All I said was that the corpse isn't a corpse yet and that it's a ghost, because I don't know who's going to be the corpse. Rick, before I go stark raving mad, will you tell me what you're talking about? Well, a man came into my office this morning said he was going to commit a murder. Threw a gun on me when I started to call you. Locked me in a closet. I broke out, only to find he left this little man, Big Man, the midget who just ran out of here. Stop, please. So Helen came in. I turned the tables on Big Man. She left. I asked questions, drew a blank. Big Man started to run. Why didn't you nab him? He ran through the door. I ran into it. You're up to date. (laughs) I'm up to date. Get him. I'm up to my ears in confusion. So we've got a man who's going to murder someone. All right, what's his name? He said Johns, but it's a phony. Initials on his briefcase read J.B. Say, Shamus, what do you look like? Uh, Otis, do you have a son? Oh, you know I don't. That's what he looked like. Rick, are you sure this J.B. is planning to kill someone tonight? Well, if he isn't, he sure took a lot of pains for nothing. Let's get down to headquarters. I want to check the files. okay, but we don't keep files on ghosts. Oh, by the way, why did you come up here? Helen called. Said you were holding a pigeon for us. Oh, lovely girl. I'll say... Can I have a dance with her at the benefit tonight? Uh, no, Otis. I think I better fix you up with Francis. Swell. Otis, you gravelhead. Francis is a butler. it's oh, all right, Lieutenant. I like them foreign dames. Well, that's all the pictures, Walt. I've looked them all. Johns doesn't have a record, neither does Big Man. Well, yeah, they wouldn't. The one time we get a chance to stop a murder before it's committed, and we've even got a good description of the potential killer. Well, this this J. B. was no bum. Not even an ordinary working man. His clothes are expensive, and the briefcase he carried probably cost more than your weekly salary. Now, it's an even bet he belongs to the social upper crust, that or close to it. Well, that would narrow the field a that, but still. I... How about the newspapers, Walt? They have society of reporters who know anyone who is anyone. It's a long shot, but name, name me a better. You can go through the newspaper ones; They might have a picture of Oh, something. no, no, Walt, no pictures. I'm nearly blind from looking at pictures now. Thanks, but I'll try the reporters with a description. It sounds like you're going to search for a needle in a haystack. Oh, Otis, please, your cliche is showing. Ah, uh, that's screwy. You can't kid me. Only dames wear cliches. How could mine be showing? Sergeant, when you die, will your brain to a clinic. Maybe they'll discover a cure for it. Ah, oh, lay off. Besides, I got a good idea for your investigation. I wouldn't miss hearing this for my next two issues of Batman. Yeah, I was thinking you could maybe save a lot of time if you got an artist to draw a picture from your description. They do it in all the movies and catch crooks easy. Otis, how would you like a transfer hey, to Staten? Wait a minute, wait a minute. He may have an idea. I know where there's an artist who could sketch J.B. from a description. It's crazy, but you may as well try it, Rick. Otis, you can drive him there. Uh, uh, Lieutenant. Uh, tell him yes, Walt. I can't stand to see him cry. All right, Otis, you can use the siren. <laughs> <laughs> It's right at the head of the stairs. Uh, Who is this guy? Her name's Vladimir, and be careful. He's temperamental. Oh, that's okay. I've been vaccinated.
5: Walk, walk, walk.
2: Open up, Vladimir.
5: Wrong address. Go away. My name's Patrick O'Brien. It's Diamond, not the landlord. Comrade, come in. Stalin. No,
2: Vladimir, that's Sergeant Otis.
5: What a startle he gave me.
2: (coughs) Vladimir, can you sketch a man's face from a description?
5: Can I sketch a man's face from a description? Can I sketch? Did I not once sketch the whole Russian army and with one pencil?
2: Okay, Vladimir, but can you do it?
5: Comrade, you doubt it? I am the greatest artist that's impossible. I can draw uh, Comrade, you are paying cash money. Cash money? Oh, for that I can draw you Siberia and never miss a salt mine. I'm such a genius, I can't stand myself.
2: Another man, Vladimir. Can you sketch the man's face? I think so. Okay, but make it fast. I'll give you the general idea and correct you as you go.
5: Corrections you can make. One criticism, I go back to my shave cream signs. Come with me to my (laughs) hizzle.
2: Well, almost, Vladimir, but the nose still isn't quite right. Make it look a little more like a pickle. Sweet? Dill. Off that side, just a pinch. Oh.
5: Like this? Yeah. Yeah, you've done it. That's him. Ah, how much do I owe you? For you, comrade, $100. What? $50. A buck. Sell my genius for a buck? I die first. A buck and a quarter. Uh, comrade, please, I'm capitalist now. A buck and a half. Last price. I wouldn't Last price, last I take it. But I may die.
2: If you do, give me a call. It's a good job, Vladimir. But of
5: course. Was I not the artist to sketch the Tsar himself? Of course, it didn't pay so well, but it was great honor. Looks pretty fuzzy to me. Comrade Diamond, your patronage I appreciate. But if you must bring along this peasant, don't. Even his face makes me sick with the repulse. Uh,
2: Otis, come on. You'll have to pardon him, Vladimir. Whenever his shoelaces come untied, his brain slip out. See
5: you later. Oh, comrade.
2: When we left Vladimir, I sent Otis back to Walt and took off for the newspapers. I showed the sketch to one society reporter after another and watched the many heads shake, my eyes began to cross. It was 6.30 when I finished playing quizmaster, and there was no use kidding myself. I had struck out. I had to tell Walt, so I started for the 5th Precinct. I was at a point where I'd have hocked my Social Security for 30 seconds with a little big man. Then as I walked down the street, I suddenly felt the nerves in my spine jump down into the pit of my stomach and goose pimples skidded up my back like scared rice. It was a feeling I'd had before. So without turning, I headed for the steps of a basement apartment. (laughs) I got my meeting with Big Man all right, and it came within inches of being a vamp into a Gabriel Solo. Big Man apparently thought his shots hit pay dirt. But when I peeked over the top of the stairs, he was in his car and going. I took in the torn knees of my pants, sent a few messages to the spirit world that would have barred me from any seance, and hauled what was left of the Diamond Detective Agency to see Walt Levinson. Well, you can have it, Walt. This is getting ridiculous. Beating my brains out, getting shot at. And for what? Shot at? That's right. I said shot at. You can have the whole stupid mess. I like to get fees for playing post office with slugs. And if a guy gets killed, call me. I'll help with the embalming. But, but... Oh, but nothing. It's 7 o'clock and I'm not sticking around to split a three-way crying job over a killing that may already have happened. I'm going to Helen's and get a drink. Oh, all right. Go ahead, Rick. There's nothing more you can do anyhow. I'll see you later. All right. And you stop looking like a panda with a belly egg, No, what did I do? Oh, shut up. Uh, hey, where you going? I'm going out and punch the first little guy I can find right in the nose, just on general principles. I left the precinct and headed for Helen's party. I remembered that the benefit was being held in the penthouse and went on up. I was surprised to find Helen's butler, Francis, opening the door.
5: Good evening, Mr.
2: Depp... Oh, my, did you have an accident? This day has been an accident, Francis. But if you mean my clothes, I was playing spin the bottle with the bulldozer.
5: Oh, you do look a little battered, if I may say so, sir.
2: You ought to see the bulldozer. What are you doing opening the door up here? Oh, the Parker's butler was taken ill, sir. As I was helping Miss Asher with the decorations anyway, I remain to take his place for this evening. Is she here? Yes, yeah, yeah, she's in the living room, sir. Thanks, I'll go on in. Rick, over here. Hello, baby.
1: What, hit you, a bus?
2: Just the door and a sidewalk. The bus I get later.
1: Oh, Rick. And just look at your suit. It's ruined.
2: Now, uh, what's with the concern over my suit? Are you lobbying for my tailor?
1: I wanted you to look your very best tonight. Here, let me see those knees. Come on, sit over here. That's it. Now. Oh, well, they're not as bad as I thought.
2: Oh, cheer up. Maybe they'll get infected. That'll help.
1: Who did this to you, Rick?
2: Our sweet little friend of this morning, Big Man. Or I should say his boss, J.B. He's the one who sent Big Man after me. J.B. A specter. Sent to haunt me for my past sins. He hired the little killer you saw me sock with my yo-yo. Your
3: yo-yo?
1: Oh, you haven't lost your yo-yo,
2: have you? Oh, Helen, baby. Your Ricky's nearly been killed. Must you worry about my yo-yo?
1: I'm sorry, but it is all right.
2: In my pocket, here. See? Good as
1: new. Oh, that's fine. Now, what about this J.B. person? Why did he send Big Man to kill you, Rick?
2: Because I know he's going to commit a murder tonight. Maybe doing it right now. Wait
1: a minute. You said Big Man. Did you let him go this morning?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, I let him go. And I've worn my feet off up to my eyebrows trying to find out who his boss is and who's on the spot to get knocked off. Oh,
1: poor Ricky. I wish I could help you.
2: It's not me that needs help now. I quit. It's the guy J.B. is after.
1: J.B., are those his real initials?
2: Yeah. No, we've had lots of things to go on, initials, descriptions, even a sketch of him. Here, I've got it in my pocket, for all the good it did.
1: Oh, wait, don't tear it up. Let me look at it. Oh, Wig, silly. This is no murderer. That's a sketch of Johnny Blackwell. It's a
2: Helen, you know who this man is?
1: Of course. It's Johnny Blackwell from Newport. He and his wife are up here visiting, Adam Worcester. Rick, what is it? You're. You're all turning blue.
2: All day long, I. When you were in my office, you could. Oh, if I'd only asked Helen. Yes, Rick? Give me some cyanide, no water.
1: Oh, but you must be mistaken about the sketch. Johnny Blackwell can't be a murderer. Well,
2: I'm getting out of here. Where can I find him?
1: If you'll just sit still, he'll come to you. Adam Wister's bringing him and his wife to the benefit tonight. <laughs>
2: Well, that's the way the screwy world works sometimes. One minute you're on your uppers. With a stick of bologna, you're trying to hold off three guys with swords. And kismet makes a switch and tags your side for a gain in your living. I called Walt to pass on the good news. And in eight and a half minutes by the clock, he joined me with Sergeant Otis in the kitchen from where we could peek out at the growing crowd. Let me take a look, Rick. Has Blackwell come in yet? Stay back. I'll let you know. Otis... Get out of that icebox! Oh, I'm hungry. You heard me. Oh, there's fried chicken, Lieutenant. Fried chicken? Oh, I haven't had oh, that's... Oh. Walt, Walt, come take a look. There's Blackwood. Where? Over there, just sitting down. The man with the sandy hair. Yeah, yeah, I see him. Who are those people with him? Well, the woman must be his wife. Oh, but get a load of the little weasel! That's Big Man, the guy who got away from me this morning. Oh, and the other man? Must be Adam Wister. Helen said he was bringing the Blackwells. <laughs> well, he did. So now we wait for the play. <laughs> well, we waited and watched the Blackwell party settle down to enjoy itself. Big Man acted like he hadn't eaten for a week and made hors d'oeuvres vanish in his mouth like marbles down a manhole. After what seemed like weeks, the situation grew suddenly took shape. On Blackwell's urging, big man rose to dance with Mrs. Blackwell. Mrs. Blackwell was a dark-haired honey with curves right out of one of my better dreams. But my mind was on her husband and Worcester. As soon as they had the chance, they got up and headed out of the room. Watch them, Rick. They're headed for the library. Come on, this way. Through this door and down the hall.
0: Well, Adam, it's nice to be
2: visiting you again. Well, glad to have you, Johnny. We're sorry to hear about your losses in the market last year. The story here was that you were cleaned out. Hey, Diamond, what's he saying? Shut up. Oh, I you. still have a little money, Adam. In fact, I'd like to buy back in with you as a partner. <laughs> you don't have that much, Johnny. And your wife won't give it to you. She may, Adam. She may, and quicker than you think. Walt, well, come on. We picked no, the wrong that's victim. That's Let's that's find the big go. man. Oh, <laughs>
3: It's nice on the terrace, Mrs. Blackwell Yeah, real nice out here I don't like it, it's chilly Oh, it'll warm up, Mrs. Blackwell
1: No, I'm going back in Better not I don't like the way you're acting, big man Get out of my way
3: Get back and shut up
1: How dare you talk to me like that, you little... Now b- I'm
3: big, Mrs. Blackwell, real big <gasps> A gun? What in the world? I'm gonna kill you Kill me? Yeah, only it'll look like an accident Boy, this is ridiculous. What kind of a joke is this? (laughs) It's no joke, Mrs. Blackwell. Your husband don't think it's no joke. He wanted me to tell you he was real sorry. Now I'm going to kill you. You mean it? You really mean it? Yeah, sure, Mrs. Blackwell. Mr. Blackwell needs your dough. Bad. Back up. He can have it, all of it. Only don't kill me, don't. Sorry, Mrs. Blackwell, too late. Now start back.
4: Please, please. Over to that
3: wall. You're going to play Humpty Dumpty. That's right. Now get up on
4: the wall.
3: No, no! I'm a guy who's willing to help you. Me, too. Uh, Diamond, why, you.
6: Catch the girl, Walt. Big man's
4: mine. He he was going to kill me.
2: All Uh, right, Mrs. Blackwell. Take her inside, Otis. Rick, you okay? Yeah, getting my hands on this little rat was better than a year's vacation. Well, we sure heard enough to give both him and Blackwell a long vacation on the state. Keep him on ice. I'll collect the other one. I'll be delighted. Uh, oh, my joy! Oh, waking up? Uh, what a shame. <laughs> what a lovely party. I do love these informal get-togethers, don't you, big man? Uh, oh. It was short but very sweet, the wind-up of the no-one-was-murdered case. The score was the kind to make you forget you didn't get a fee. Two killers caught, no victims. When I saw Walt take the little big man, not so big without his gun, and his boss Blackwell off to the Bastille... My worries melted like a snowman in a blast furnace. And speaking of melting, the lovely Mrs. Blackwell showed signs of being upset. So, what could I do but console the pretty little thing?
1: Oh, Mr. Diamond, I think you were so wonderful and brave. Oh,
2: you show a few nice points yourself, Mrs. Blackwell, and call me Rick.
1: You saved my life, Rick. And call me Rita. You can get to the point quick. Why, Rita... Oh, there you are, Mrs. Blackwell. I know you must be terribly upset. Oh, Rick has been a great comfort to me. I'll bet he has. But I've arranged for Francis to take you home. Uh, now. Now? Oh, well, thank you, Miss Asher. And Rick. Yes? Don't worry about the name-calling. Just say, hey, you. I'll know what you mean.
2: I think I know what you mean. By you. Well? So help me, I'm innocent.
1: With lipstick on your collar?
2: That Otis. I've warned him to be careful with my shirts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, time for my yo-yo act? Your act.
1: I... Oh, Rick, uh, about
2: that... No, 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 look. I've worked my finger to the bone practicing. Don't tell me you... Why you specifically asked me to be here tonight? I I... I know.
1: And and come on with me over to the bandstand. Oh no,
2: no, you don't. I'm an artist tonight, not a singer. No
1: sing, no yo
2: yo. You mean if I sing, I can do my yo yo act?
1: If you make it pretty.
2: Ah, it's blackmail, but I'll do it.
1: You stay right here. I want to talk to the orchestra leader. Okay, I'll practice. Well. Ladies and gentlemen. I give you Richard Diamond, his piano, and his yo-yo. Sing good, Rick.
6: Like a robin with a sponsor. Are the stars out tonight? I don't know if it's cloudy or bright. Cause I only have eyes for you, dear. The moon may be high. But I can't see a thing in the sky cause I only have eyes for you I don't know if we're in a garden Or on a crowded avenue You are here, so am I Maybe millions of people go by, but they all disappear from view, and I only have eyes for you.
1: present
2: an exhibition
1: of
2: dexterity. Now? Now. Oh, no, Shamus, no. You're doing it all wrong. You gotta use more wrist action. Oh, to stay out of the act. Oh, come on, let me show you. Here, give it to me. Now, you, you start it down, like this. Helen. <laughs>
1: yes, Rick, he's better.
2: Uh, let's go home and Nick.
1: Wait till I get my hat.
0: You have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg, Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, Hans Conried, Grace Albertson, Sidney Miller, and High Everback. Music was under the direction of Frank Wirth. Tonight's story was written by Herb Purdom and edited and directed by Blake Edwards. Portions of the program were transcribed. Dick Powell soon will be seen in the screen version of the best-selling novel, Mrs. Mike. (coughs) Now this is Tal Avery inviting you to be with us again at the same time next week when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Saturday night is packed with entertainment when you stay tuned for NBC's star lineup of shows. There's always a program of interest on NBC. Now stay tuned for Edward G. Robinson and the Hollywood Star Theater on NBC.
2: Richard Diamond, private detective. Hello there, this is Diamond. Well, it's Christmas Eve. And every year about this time, my business takes a big nosedive. People usually pack up their troubles and start unpacking colored lights and Christmas tree ornaments. So tonight, instead of telling you about one of my hair-raising exploits, we're going to tell you a Christmas story. So with apologies to Mr. Charles Dickens, we'd like to bring you an adaptation of one of his most famous stories, The Christmas Carol. Now, I'd uh, better explain something first. This version isn't exactly the way you've heard it many times before, because the particular type of characters I usually get mixed up with, this story is written to fit their talents and characteristics. Different from the Dickens original, certainly, but we feel that this story could easily happen today anywhere, like maybe right here in New York on a little side street just off the Bowery. So now I'd like to introduce our characters. Mr. Ebenezer Scrooge will be played by my good friend and guiding hand of the 5th Precinct Homicide Division. Lieutenant Walter Levinson. Walter? Otis. <clears throat> the character of Jacob Marley will be played by one of my dearest friends and constant companions. Otis, that's you. Huh? Oh,
4: uh,
1: Sergeant Otis
2: Loveloon. Loveloon.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Watch.
2: Oh, sorry, Helen. <laughs> Uh, Tiny Tim will be played by our corner newsboy.
1: Johnny Rollins.
2: Uh, Tiny Tim's mother will be played by my redheaded gal friend.
1: Helen Asher.
2: The rest of the characters will be played by members of the 5th Precinct Police Station Officer O'Reilly, Officer Lum, Officer Lefkowitz, Sergeant Miller.
4: <laughs>
2: the music will be furnished by the 5th Precinct Police Band, directed by Patrolman Worth. And now, our version of the Christmas classic, Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. Once upon a time, there was a nasty old guy named Ebenezer Scrooge. He was nasty, all right. He didn't like anything, except maybe all the dough he could get his hands on. Scrooge had a little business that he started with his partner, Jacob Marley. The outfit was known as Scrooge and Marley Loan Company. But one day, poor old Marley just up and keeled over. So the boys along the big street gave him a nice funeral, and old Scrooge took over the business. Well, Marley had been dead for seven years and Scrooge lived alone in his little room over the office. And for a hobby, he hated everybody. He had a young guy working for him by the name of Bob Cratchit. Bob had a wife and four kids and made just enough to make ends meet. Scrooge used to ride him all the time. When it got so cold the polar bears complained, Cratchit would turn on the little heater. And Scrooge would say, Cratchit, what do you think you're doing? Turn on the heat, that's what I'm doing. My fingers look like popsicles. Well, I don't care if they come in six delicious flavors. Every time you turn on that heater, it costs me money. Business is not good, so get back to your work and turn off the heat. Oh, now look, Mr. Scrooge, I'm freezing. Now, this pen ain't guaranteed to write under ice. I tell you once more, get back to your work. Okay, Mr. Scrooge. I don't know why you worry about business. Why not just put up a sign, turn the joint into a skating rink? Now, this was no time for any decent guy to act like that. It was Christmas Eve. Along about five o'clock into the office came Scrooge's nephew, Fred. Well, Merry Christmas, bud. Oh, Merry Christmas, Fred. You get back to your work, Cratchit. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, Merry Christmas, Uncle. Oh, swell. Merry Christmas. Uh, humbug. Humbug? Yeah, humbug. My old man didn't like Christmas, and that's what he used to say. Humbug. Okay, humbug. But it's still Christmas, and I don't see where you get off not liking it. This is supposed to be the time everybody gets with it. Everything stops. That ain't much good. And you put your arm around the next guy, you tell him, Merry Christmas. I'll put my arm around you with a hammer on the end of it if you don't lay off that goodwill stuff. Look, what's with you? What have you got against Christmas? You show me a way to make a hundred bucks every Christmas, and I'll fall in love with it. Every time the holidays roll around, nobody pays their bills, and they all run around like they own the Chrysler building. Look, at you. 60 bucks a week and you're coming on like Rockefeller. Well, sure, I make a lousy 60 bucks, but it ain't easy. But once a year, something happens with everybody in this big world. Well, nearly everybody. <sighs> because this is a day that somebody else started to make things right for us. And he had a really tough time doing it. It's more than just remembering. It, it, it's feeling. It, it's all around Your Christmas has got to be merry. Don't you get it? You want me to be merry? Well, sure. Then go get some of these joyous clients of mine to pay off their loans. The missus asked me to invite you over for dinner tomorrow. Now, don't hold your breath. Okay. Merry Christmas, Bob. Merry Christmas, Fred. Merry Christmas, Uncle. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, Humbug. Late that evening, Scrooge went upstairs to his room, the room where Jacob Marley used to stay. It was dark in the little hall, and when Scrooge reached for the door... He looked up at the big brass knocker and saw... Holy cow! I could have sworn that was old Jake's face in the knocker. I must be working too hard. So in he went. A little shaky after seeing Jake Marley's face, but he just passed it off his nerves. He closed the door and locked it, then went over and sat down in front of the fireplace. He got a fire going and started to relax... But every tile around the fireplace started looking like Jake Marley's face. Oh, now, come on there, old boy. you got to get hold of yourself. This is ridiculous, and I haven't touched a drop in weeks. He got up and walked around the room a few times, then went back and sat on again. He stretched, rested his head on the back of the chair. From somewhere, a bell started chiming, and Scrooge sat straight up in his chair. He heard something else, too. Something from downstairs. What the... Oh, now, what is that? What's going on? Who's that? Come on, who's out there? Then all of a sudden, it came right through the wall. Marley! Jake Marley! Oh, no, no. I I got to stop eating lobster. Oh, it couldn't be. Hey, what's with you? Who are you? Jake Marley. Who else? You're dead. The deadest. But nevertheless, Jake Marley. His ghost... You are very sharp today, Scrooge old boy. I don't believe it. You got eyes, ain't you? Yeah, and I got a bad stomach, too. That's who you are. Nothing but a bad case of indigestion. You don't think I'm a ghost, huh? Okay, maybe a good scare will change your mind. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Stay away from me. I believe you. You're sold on the idea? Yeah, yeah, but why do you got to come to see me? Regulations. Every man is supposed to live his life and help his buddies. If he don't do it while he's alive, then he's got to do it after he kicks off. Oh! Now, stop that. Hey, what's with all those chains and things you got wrapped around you? Oh, these? Well, this here chain is like my life. Each one of these links is something I did wrong. But why do you have to hold it around with you? Why don't you check it someplace? Screw Joe boy. When we was in business together, I never took time out to do any good. I just kept making a buck and figured that was enough. Well, now I got to pay for it. I got to haul this chain around and try to make up for all the things I didn't do when I was alive. But why come to me? Because you're going to end up just like me unless we do something in a hurry. Now, I haven't got much time, so you better listen. No, I don't want to be like you. I'll listen. Okay, you're going to have three visitors. You're going to be haunted by three spirits. Oh, no. It's the only way you can keep from being like me. When you hear that bell strike one, the first one will be here. Well, I got to be going. You won't see me again, but you remember what I told you. So long, Scrooge, old boy. Your goosebumps can relax now. (laughs) After the ghost took off, Scrooge just refused to believe it. I'm nuts. It's ridiculous. Humbug. Then he climbed into the sack and was soon snoring up a storm. When Scrooge awoke, it was still dark, and the bell from the church on 53rd Street was striking 12. He laid awake listening and thinking to himself. Just a dream. Ghosts, bah. Finally, he dropped off again and slept for about an hour. Then the big bell struck one. One o'clock and I don't see no ghost. I knew it was something I ate. Ah! All of a sudden, a big light flashed in the room. The first of the spirits stood before him. Oh, Jake was right. Are you the first spirit that Jake said would come to haunt me? Yeah, you know it. Well, who are you? Me? I'm the ghost of Christmas past. Yeah? How long past? You're fast. Come on, we're going to take a walk. Where are we going? Just relax. I'm running this tour. Will, we'll let me get my pants. Uh, you got them. Hey, they're on me. With that, the ghost of Christmas Pass grabbed Scrooge by the hand, and they both flew out of the window. Scrooge nearly lost his upper plate. But before he could yell for help, he was standing in front of a dirty, ramshackle old tenement building. You, uh, know where you are? Sure I know where I am. This is where I was brought up. Even the garbage cans are the same. You had a pretty tough time when you were a kid, didn't you? The toughest. I wasn't very big, and the rest of the kids in the neighborhood were. I had more black eyes than a crow. You want to go in? What for? To see your folks. My folks died a long time ago. They're in there now. Come on. Well, the ghost took old Scrooge into the building and showed him a Christmas years past when he was a child with his family. Sure, it was tough living in two little rooms like that, but Scrooge remembered how wonderful it really was. (laughs) What's the matter, Scrooge? Huh? Oh, I got something in my eye. You were pretty lonely when your folks did, uh, when they... Yeah. You know... There was a young kid that came around earlier this evening and sang some carols. I wish... Yeah, uh, what do you wish? Oh, nothing. Come on. I want to show you another Christmas. The spirit showed him another Christmas and still another. And you know, no matter how tough Scrooge remembered his childhood had been, it always seemed that Christmas was wonderful. Then the spirit took him to a building down by the river where Scrooge got his first job. He went inside and seated behind a desk, Scrooge spotted Fezziwig. Well, I'll be darned, it's old Fezziwig alive again. And there's Dick Wilkins. He was a good boy. We got along great. He liked me. Okay, everybody, it's Christmas Eve. You can knock off and have yourself a good time. You better lock up, Dick. Sure, right away, Mr. Fezziwig. Yeah, hey, don't look so unhappy, Ebenezer. It's Christmas. Come on home with me and tear into a big turkey. All locked up, Dick? Yes, sir. Ready, Ebenezer? Yes, sir. Okay, let's go and a Merry Christmas, you two. Yeah. Merry Christmas, Merry Mr. Christmas, Christmas Mr. Fezziwig. Merry Christmas. Then the spirit took Scrooge over to Fezziwig's house and they saw the wonderful party that Mrs. Fezziwig had gotten together.
5: Scrooge watched
2: and remembered and the spirit said, Wasn't Fezziwig a stupid, sentimental old goat? Oh, yeah? Well, let me tell you something. He was a great guy, he was. You know... What, Scrooge? I was just thinking about Bob Cratchit, who works for me. I think I'd like to do something for him. You know, he's got a wife and four kids. Is that right? Yeah, four kids. Come on, I've seen enough. Okay, but you've got to see these things if you want to get squared away. And believe me, brother, you need squaring away. Let's go home, Scrooge. Before he knew it, Scrooge was back in his little room and the spirit was gone. Scrooge was pretty beat and he climbed in the bed and dropped into a heavy sleep.
4: Huh?
5: What's that? It's two o'clock. Hey,
2: that light. In the other room, I got burglars. Who's that? What are you doing in the other room?
4: Come on in, take a look. It's pretty nifty.
2: Hey, what is this? What have you done to the room? It looks like Macy's window. Where'd you get all the holly and the mistletoe? And how'd you get it in here? You like it? Oh, for Pete's sake, a Christmas tree. Who are you? The ghost of Christmas Present. Now, don't tell me you don't like the way I fix things up. I work pretty hard. Oh, the second ghost. Okay, take me wherever you want to go. But believe me, the next time I try the train.
3: Come on, let's go.
2: Now, what do you see? Oh, I see bright colored lights. People having a lot of fun. Kids on sleighs. See that building over there? The one with the big wreath on the front door? I got 20-20. That's where Bob Cratchit lives. He works for me. Hey, look. There's Bob now. Yes, going into the house. Up all those stairs to the fifth floor. And he's got his little boy on his back. Tiny tin. Yeah. Got polio last summer. Pretty sick little boy. I know. Bob said he'd need a lot of care if he was ever going to walk again.
5: Let's take a peek.
1: Hi. Hello, honey. You and Tim have a good time?
2: Best. Didn't we, Tim?
1: Yeah, Dad. We watched all the kids in the block on their sleds. Mom, will I ever be able to ride a sled? Of course, Tim. Won't he, dear?
4: Sure thing, Roughneck. Next Christmas, you'll be out there
3: doing belly whoppers with the rest of
1: them. Dad, what's the matter? Your eyes are all wet.
5: Oh, nothing, Tim. I just got some snow in them.
1: Want some dinner, Tim? Oh, Mom, stew for Christmas? I'm sorry, Tim. Oh, that's okay, Mom. I like stew. Bob, will you please say grace? Can I say something first, Mom? Of course, Tim. What would you like to say? God bless us. Everyone.
2: What's the matter, Scrooge, old boy? Got some snow in your eyes, too? Tell me something. Sure, if I can. What about Tiny Tim? Oh, can't say for sure. But if his old man makes enough money next year to get the right doctors, little Tim will get along just fine. But times are tough, aren't they, Scrooge? Yeah. Now the spirit of Christmas present took Scrooge to many places and showed him a lot of happiness and a lot of misery. And finally, back to his little room, and spirit was gone. Oh I don't know whether I can take much more of this. Then the new ghost drifted in. This was the worst yet. He was really done up for haunting. He was all dressed in black with one arm sticking out and pointing right at poor old Scrooge. This was the last one of the spirits. Scrooge's knees sounded like castanets on a reducing machine. Okay, okay, you don't have to tell me. You're the ghost of the Christmas that hasn't come yet. You, I'm really scared of. The ghost took off with Scrooge right after him. The city disappeared, and Scrooge found himself in the outskirts of town standing in the graveyard. The night was howling like it was mad, and as Scrooge looked down, he saw... Hey, what's this? What's this stone? The black spirit stood still and pointed, so Scrooge leaned down and pulled away the bushes and saw it was a tombstone. There's a name here. Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, no, no. Look, not this. Believe me, I don't want this. I know I've done wrong, but I'm not kidding. I really know what Christmas means. It doesn't mean just today or tomorrow. It's every day. Every day of your life. I swear I'll do better. Only take me away from this. Let me try. Let me try to make Christmas right for me and everybody else. Please don't let this happen. Give me another chance. Well, don't just stand there. Put your arm back in. You'll catch cold. Well, say something. Suddenly, Scrooge dropped to his knees and reached out for the spirit. But something happened. The spirit started to shrink. Then it collapsed. And when Scrooge looked up... What the... Uh... My bedpost. My own bedpost. I'm home. Oh, thank goodness. I lived the past and the present and the future, and now I'm home. Hallelujah. Spirits, wherever you are, believe me. From now on, things are going to be different. Oh, yeah. And thanks.
4: Hi, Hey, boy. Yeah?
2: What day is this?
4: It's
2: Christmas. What's with you? Christmas? Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. I haven't missed it. The spooks did it all in one night. Boy. Yeah? Oh,
4: it's you, Mr.
1: Scrooge.
2: How many papers have you got? I
1: don't know.
4: One.
2: Well, here's five bucks. Throw them away and go have yourself a Merry Christmas.
4: Gee, thanks, Mr. Scrooge. And a Merry Christmas to you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, boy, say that
6: again. Thanks? No, 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 the other.
4: Yeah, that's
3: it. Merry Christmas. Okay, okay, I'm coming. What's the matter with you? Can't you see the store's closed? Look, mister, this is. Eb. a Scrooge. Merry Christmas, Barney. Huh?
2: Hey, you've been drinking? Not a drop. Well, what's the matter
3: with you? Ain't you going to wish me a Merry Christmas? Wish? Oh, oh, sure, sure. Come on in. Uh, Wipes upstairs with her mother, but I got a bottle in the back. I think maybe you better have something.
2: Something strong. Uh, Look, your grocery store's closed, but you could still sell me a
3: turkey, couldn't you? Well, I don't know. You got a couple? They'll just go to waste. Uh, What do you want a turkey for? You've been eating at the Automat every Christmas for the last seven years. Oh, it's not for me.
2: But nevertheless, I have been invited to my nephew Fred's house for a Christmas dinner.
4: Well, then
3: who's the bird for?
2: Bob Cratchit. You know, the young guy that works for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. How much you gonna charge him? Here's 20 bucks. That ought to be enough for the bird. No, no, no. It
3: ain't worth that much. You sure you ain't been into something? Well, if it's too
2: much, give the rest to your kid and have him deliver the turkey to Cratchit's house. Here's the address, and don't tell Cratchit who sent the thing. Okay?
3: Okay. Okay.
2: Merry
5: Christmas,
2: Barney. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Well, old Scrooge went back to his rooms and took, an, took out an old blue suit out of the mothball. He shook it out, put a few creases in it, and went out into the street. The old boy was really with it. Everybody he passed, he greeted them with, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Oh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Scrooge went to church and gave a large donation, and Father McCarthy nearly forgot his sermon. And then Scrooge went out on the street again and down into the Bowery. Oh, God bless you,
4: sir, and a Merry
2: Christmas. Isn't it, though? He kept walking and having a great time. Later that afternoon, he arrived at his nephew's house. Well, what the... Merry Christmas, Fred. I've come to dinner. Oh, my gosh. Here, I brought you some presents. Oh, my gosh. Now, don't thank me. It's Christmas, remember? Oh, my gosh. Next morning, Scrooge was early at the office. If he could just catch Cratchit coming in late. And he did. Bob was a good 21 minutes late. Cratchit. Oh, no. You're 21 minutes late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Scrooge. I b- had a big evening last night. You did, huh? You know when I told you if I caught you fancy footing it in here late again.
3: Okay, so I'm canned.
2: You think you got it coming? Oh, I'm too tired to argue, Mr. Scrooge. Jobs are tough enough, and I hate to lose this one, but I'm just too tired. A uh, raise would help, huh? That's the silliest question of the year. Then you got it. It's in that envelope. What? what? Yeah and maybe after we see how the funds are we can do something about tiny tim
3: no, I, I don't get it a, a raise you want to do something about tim
2: I, I don't get it sure you do bob haven't you heard it's christmas now go on home take the day off uh, take the week off oh. come back when you feel like it merry christmas uh, mr scrooge yeah merry christmas <laughs> And Scrooge really did it. He was as good as his word, better even. He made it the merriest Christmas ever. And later, things got better, and he took care of Tiny Tim. And sure enough, Tim was out on his sled the next Christmas, doing belly whoppers with the best of them. Every Christmas thereafter, all along the big street, it was said, if anyone knew how to make Christmas merry, old Ebenezer Scrooge was that one. And I hope that can really be said about all of us. Just like Tiny Tim said.
1: God bless us. Everyone.
2: That's right, Tim. God bless us. Everyone.
4: Merry Christmas. God bless everyone.
1: Oh, Rick. Yes, Helen? That was wonderful. Not quite the way Dickens wrote it, but it meant the same thing. Oh, you really like it, baby? Oh, I loved it. No reason in the world why old Scrooge couldn't have been living right here today. You've got the spirit, and that's what counts. How did you like it, Walt?
2: Rick, I gotta hand it to you. It was really great.
4: Uh, Lieutenant.
2: Yeah, what is it, Otis? Uh, how'd I do in the play? You were magnificent, Sergeant. Y- you know, I bet if I studied for a couple of weeks, I'd get me a part on Broadway. To be or not To be. That's the question. Oh, no. Now, Walt, leave him alone. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, Monsieur Otis, huh? Wouldst thou accompany me over to the punch bowl for a short flagon of nectar? Sure. I wouldst. See you later, Helen, Rick. Yeah. Come on, Barrymore. Let's see if the punch bowl fits your head. <laughs> oh, aren't they lovely?
1: You want something to
2: eat? Uh, hey, wait a minute.
1: What's the matter?
5: Listen.
1: They're out here by this window.
2: Come on, let's go listen.
4: You that barrel, falalalalala, la la la. See the blazing ruby forest, falalalalala, la la la. Strike the harp and join the chorus, falalalalala, la la la. Follow me in merry measure, falalalalala, la la la. While I tell of use that treasure, falalalalala, la la la. Oh, wasn't
1: that wonderful, Rick? Oh, uh, it sure was. Rick, sing something with them. Oh,
2: no, honey. I don't want to loss up the end. Please, come
1: Rick, on. On. come on. All right,
2: all right. I I tell you what I'll do. Everybody usually sings Christmas songs about snow. I'm going to sing one about sunshine. It's called Melikilikimaka.
1: Melikilikimaka? Well, it means Merry Christmas in Hawaiian. In Hawaiian? Sure.
2: It's a brand new song. They love it over there, and we'll love it here.
6: kaliki maka is the thing to say and how ho that's our christmas greeting in a and a happy new year too with the hope that christmas Christmas may be green and bright, the sun to shine by day and all the stars that night. Meli Maka is Hawaii's way to say Merry Christmas to you, ooh,
4: ooh, ooh, with the hope that Christmas may be green.
6: say
1: Merry Christmas to you. Rick, Mm -hmm. Merry Christmas.
2: Yes, and a Merry Christmas to everybody. Pennsylvania radio station WBRE today is celebrating its silver anniversary of serving the people of the coal country with better programming from all of us in Hollywood congratulations to NBC affiliate WBRE on 25 years of broadcasting and best wishes for another 25 Dick Powell as Richard Diamond private detective will return to the air at a new day and time Sunday January 15 till then this is Eddie King relaying our best wishes for the holiday season now hear
5: Home for Christmas and "Hopalong Cassidy, on NBC.
1: Thanks for joining us for 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. We always appreciate reviews and comments at Spotify. We bring new episodes every Sunday at noon Eastern Time and Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Until next time, everyone, stay safe, and we'll be back soon.